The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. I think an important principle for life is getting back to the basics. Back to the basics. So let me ask you a question. Anybody ever heard of Mike Trout? Okay. If you haven't heard of Mike Trout, anybody ever heard of baseball? (laughs) He's the best player in baseball. And uh, supposedly he has a saying he repeats to himself, sometimes many times during one at bat. He says many times, don't get big, don't get big, don't get big. Uh, This is what he says about this uh, repetition. He says, sometimes you get in big situations and you lose your mechanics in the swing. Because I guess a big situation, what do you want to do? You want to hit the ball to the moon, right? You lose your mechanics in the swing. So Trout says, I have to remind myself to stay short. Don't get big. Remember the basics. Keep doing the basics. Perfect the basics. In fact, the best players are the ones who can do what? Do the basics well, consistently, over and over and over again. It's a principle for life. You got to get back to the basics. You got to do the basics right. It's true for athletes, and it's true for churches as well. Stick to the basics. So this morning, we are talking about the second most important thing you can do, we can do as a church. The second most important thing we can do. And it's essential. It's at the heart of who we are. Uh, If we can't do this, we can't do anything. This is it. It's basic. And guess what? It's probably not going to be something you've never heard before. Um, If it is, man, big surprise for you, okay? Um, It's not that hard to understand. Nobody's going to be like, I just don't get it. Um, The difficulty comes in sticking to it, wanting it, feeling it, doing it. So we got to get back to the basics. And did you pick up a theme? What should be in our hearts? What should be in our lives towards one another? Love, okay? Is this just, did I, am I blowing you away? I've never heard this before. How should we treat one another? Love. we got to love one another. And it's so basic. Listen, even people outside the church get this, right? All we need is Love, love is all we need. If only we could love, love. Um, nobody votes against this. You know, any politicians like, I think we should love. Nobody's like, no, we're against love. <laughs> Everybody likes love. Oh, yeah, all we need is love. But man, it's hard to do. Hard to do. Hard to stick to the basics. Remember, in the big situations, his swing gets out of whack. In the hard situations, our hearts go crazy. We got problems. It's hard to stick to the basics, to love, to love, love. So we're studying through the Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, and the church, as we've seen, is a mess. They are not good to one another. They have not loved one another. Uh, In this section of the letter, Paul's dealing specifically with how they relate to one another at church and how they serve one another. And the reason this was important for them is because some of them were taking pride in the gifts that they had and thinking, hey, I can do this, and they can't, so therefore, I'm better, I'm more spiritual. And others were thinking, hey, they can do that, and I can't, and there was envy and jealousy. Oh, I wish I was like them. I wish I had what they have, 
And in both of those cases, they're not loving one another. So two weeks ago, we saw Paul emphasizing, hey, you're a body, remember? You're the body of Christ. God made us differently on purpose so that we could come together and bless one another, compliment one another. So I can't do some things you can do, and God made me that way on, on purpose so that I could need you and you could serve me. And I can do things that you can't do, and God made it that way on purpose so that you could need me and I could serve you. And in that way, our diversity comes together in unity. And it's beautiful, but the glue that holds it together is what? Love. Love. There's only one way this can work. We have to love. And that's why Paul said in 1231, I want to show you a more excellent way. This is what we need to emphasize. This is the second most important thing we can do at church is love one another. Some of you, you've heard this passage before. You've heard it a million times, okay? Yeah, this, this is one of those world-famous passages where people who don't even really know the Bible have probably heard this one. Uh, people love to use it for weddings. And is it good for marriage? I would say so. It's excellent advice for marriage. But it wasn't written for a wedding. People put it on Hallmark cards. Is it good to go with some roses and a little droplets on the roses and make you feel special because it's a great little quote? It is some of the most beautiful rhetoric of history. It really is. And yet it wasn't made for a Hallmark card. Guess who this was written to and written for? Messy people with hurt feelings who didn't always like one another very much. Screwed up people full of pride and insecurity and bitterness. That's who this is for. It's written to one of the most screwed up churches we have knowledge of. So, man, if this will play in Corinth, it's for all of us all the time. It's basic. So I want to give us four ideas today about love. Number one, we're going to see that love is essential. Number two, we're going to see that love is practical. Number three, we're going to see that love is eternal. And number four, we're going to see that love is a gift. So four things. Essential. Love is essential. Love is practical. Love is eternal. And love is a gift. Look at verses 1 to 3. Love is essential. You heard it. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong. Uh, the gift of tongues, that was, seemed to be the Corinthians' favorite gift. You're like, what is that? I'm not going to talk about that today. If, you, if you're curious, we'll look at it next week. But here's the point. They took pride in it. They took pride in it. And Paul says, if you can do this, speak in tongues of men and angels, and have not love, what are you? A noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What's the cartoon where the teacher's like, wah, 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 Charlie Brown, <laughs> okay? I got these beautiful things to say. If I don't have love, wah, 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 clanging nothingness. Wow. Paul just told them that the thing they value most that they can do, how much value does it have without love? Nothing. You're just like the cowbell, more cowbell, meaningless noise, okay? Others of us, we love different gifts, and Paul includes those too. Look, prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and knowledge, and have all faith. 
You, you love God's word and you love being to understand systematic theology and you love to see how the Bible fits together and how the Old Testament fits into the new and, and you think you understand how the Bible fits into people's lives. You love God's word and you're, you're courageous about Jesus and, and wow, you have all knowledge and all faith but you don't have love. Look what Paul says, end of verse two. I am what? Nothing. That's so devastating if you don't have love nothing others of us maybe we value a different gift look at verse 3 you like generous people you like to give to charity you like to live sacrificially for others if I give away all I have and deliver my body up to be burned but have not love I gain what nothing whatever you can offer, can do, can know, can say, can give, can perform, can accomplish without, if there's no love, it negates the whole project. It sucks the meaning out of it. It's dry, there's no goodness, it's junk, it's trash. In fact, for Paul to say, he doesn't say my gift is nothing. He says without love, I am nothing. If you don't love you're withered. You're empty. Love is essential. I don't know about you. I find this devastating because it shows me that God at least cares as much about my motives as he does about what I do, maybe more. And I know I haven't always done things with love. Is there anybody else in this room like me? How many times have you done I mean, how much of the world does good things so they can feel good about doing good things? I mean, the motto for modern charity is it makes me feel good. What is that? That's self-love, which means all the billions of dollars given to whatever to make us feel good, it didn't have love, which means it was nothing. Or I've preached sermons mad before, angry before, frustrated before. Gosh, when I'm trying to tell you all the glories of Jesus and if I don't Love you, it's nothing. At least as far as it goes with me, God can still use it, praise the Lord, because it's his truth. Nothing. You ever given, you ever said, I'm trying to do the right thing without love. And Paul says, man, without love is essential. I want to ask just quickly, why is love so essential for Christians? 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8 says this. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. I'm not going to try to unpack all of that, but what do we know about God? He is love. In and of himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he is eternally, has always been love. And if you know God, that's because he's loved you. That's the only way you'd ever know him. He's loved you. And if you know the God who is love, you will love. So this is essential because God is love and it, it, it is what it means to know him. So if you won't love, if you refuse to love, the next question is, do you know God? Love is essential because God is love. Not only that, um, if you consider what Jesus says in 
the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another, verse 35. By this, all people will know you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. So according to Jesus, how's the world supposed to know that we follow him? How we love each other. Now, are we supposed to love the rest of the world? Yeah, of course, absolutely. But specifically, uniquely, the way the world knows we belong to Jesus is they watch us love not them, although that's part of it. I'm not saying don't love them. But ultimately, it's they see the way we love us. So love is essential because love is from God, and it shows that we belong to Christ. Isn't it amazing how we can emphasize everything other than the most important thing? Theological debates among Christians. Hey, they're important. These issues are important. But it's amazing how often we can debate it and not love one another. And as Paul's going to say, hey, we need some humility on some of these questions we have. But one thing we know for sure, guess what we're supposed to do? Love one another, okay? Do you know that? Any debate? Nope, love one another. Why do we lose the love when we debate? Wow. Gotta love. Gotta love. Love is essential. Okay, well, here's a question. You agree? Okay, yeah, love is essential. We gotta love. The next question is tough. What does love look like? What does love look like? Some people could say, hey, love me, and to them that means you need, to, you need to agree with me that everything I do is right. You ever loved a friend with an addiction, and you try to confront that friend, and they say, you don't love me, and you're like, oh, I do. <laughs> I wouldn't go through this if I didn't. I would let you go on your way. <laughs> what does it mean to love? Or we're longing for love. Does love mean, here we have to love one another, do you have to be best friends forever with every person you know? You know, pinky swear, BFFs? How could you do that? Not only that, do you even always love your best friends? Or is it squishy feelings? You know, you gotta come in just every time. Do you see the question? What does it mean practically, actually, to love? And that's the beauty of this passage as Paul never gives a definition of love, I think we can put one together, but instead he gives a description. 15 verbs give us a picture of love. Love is essential, you gotta love. What does it mean, what does it look like? Paul says, let me show you. Look at verse four. Here's some of what love is. Love is what? Patient and kind. Oh, and here's some of lo- what love isn't. Love doesn't envy or boast, it's not arrogant, or rude. You gotta love is, love isn't. Here's a picture, here's what it looks like. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, a lot of commentators point this out, that as Paul is praising love, he's kind of uh, personifying love, right? Love is doing stuff. As he's praising love, he's kind of also backhanded disciplining the Corinthians. As, you, as we read this letter, I mean, how many times have we seen they are so prideful and so self-oriented? Um, nearly all their problems are related to their pride problems. And yet also, commentators point out, pretty much all their issues are shown up here in what love doesn't do. 
So nearly, nearly everything is related to their lack of love. And here's, here's where I think we can see something that, that helps makes it, make it plain. Before we look at the details, it makes it plain. How do you know what love is or not? I think it goes like this. It's about the ego, your sense of self, your sense of I. And it's always ego promotion, which means you're fighting for yourself, you're thinking of yourself, you're working for yourself, versus ego devotion, which means you're laying yourself down for someone else. Ego promotion versus ego devotion. Now, what do you see? It's just big picture, right? Love does not envy or boast, arrogant or rude. What's that all about? Ego promotion. Patient and kind, what is that? That's love and that's ego devotion to someone else. So let's, let's look quickly at these pictures of practical love. First of all, love is patient. Patient, what's patience? Patience endures with a purpose. It keeps going with hope. Patience believes and knows that God is here and working and working on his own timetable. And how many of you realize God has been patient with you? Okay, what if he had cut the cord five years ago, ten years ago? What if he said enough? Has he been patient? Has he waited on you? He's been real patient with me. It's taken me 40 years only to get to this. God is patient. He's working um, based on his timing. And we saw at the fruit of the Spirit, how are we supposed to treat one another? Patience. And what would the ego say about patience, ego promotion? When you're impatient, what are you saying to the world? Hey, world, hop on my timetable, right? Don't you realize I have somewhere to be? You should all split like the Red Sea for me. This is about me. You know, we drive on the highway. How dare you other Californians use my 405? You're making me wait. Don't you realize the world is for me? It's on my timetable. Now, we don't say that, but we feel it. I feel it. Impatience with others. Man, you got to mature up. You got to figure this out. You got to move forward. Let's go. My timetable. That's ego promotion. My ego, myself. Ego devotion is I'll wait for you at a speed you can go. I'll wait for God because God has a plan and he's working. I'll be patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. Kindness is a sincere desire for the well-being of others. It just has on your heart, on your inclination, what's good for other people. That's ego devotion. What's ego promotion? What's in it for me? What's good for me? What do I get out of this? Me, me, I, I, me. Here's where we see that love is humble. Let's walk through some of these words. We see what love isn't, what love doesn't. Love doesn't envy. So what's envy? Some sort of jealousy or bitterness over something someone else has that you don't. And what might that be? Could be anything. Could be position in life. It could be skills, recognition, your life situation. But envy is consumed with what? I deserve that. That's ego 
promotion. Love would rejoice with what other people have because it's ego devotion. Or love doesn't boast, isn't arrogant or rude. You know what it means to boast. Extol oneself excessively was the definition I got from one book. I'm great, okay? And I think the way we tend to do that is less extolling ourselves excessively because everybody realizes. I think one way we do that is to demean others excessively. Oh, did you see they? You kind of throw it in. Oh, they. Can you believe they? I would never. Push them down, push me up because it's ego promotion. And guess what? That's not love. It's not love. It doesn't boast. It's not arrogant. Arrogant actually means puffed up. It's great. You ever seen high school boys like pretending they're about to fight? Yeah, I remember this from high school. They would actually do this kind of like a peacock kind of thing. <laughs> we walk into the room, man. Did you realize I'm here? Arrogance. I'm the big person. Recognize me. Or maybe we don't do that because we've learned that's, you know, not capiche. We just get hurt when others don't recognize us. What's the difference? I wasn't thanked. I wasn't named. I wasn't appreciated. I wasn't honored. Oh. Because if I'm not the star of the show, the show shouldn't happen. Well, I don't mean that. It's still ego, promotion, and it's not love. Love isn't rude either. Rude just, it's when the pride gets out of the way. NIV says it doesn't dishonor others, demean others, insult others, put others down. It's not love. And I, I haven't told you anything you didn't know. You know all these things aren't love. But just to name it, to see it, to feel it, and then to remember Without love, you're nothing. And what you did was empty. How often is our church stuff, our family stuff, where we're supposed to love, loveless and empty? God help us, right? A few more. Love is not self-seeking, easily angered, or insisting on your own way. Self-seeking. What can we say? Ego promotion. What's in it for me? Um, NIV has easily angered under irritable. So love is not irritable or easily angered. Wow. Are, Are you ticked off half the time? Are you offended half the time? They said something, you thought they said something, you imagined they said something, and you were angry, and you're angry again? Do people have to walk on glass around you because you're sensitive? Or because you're, you're going to chip at them, you're going to throw it at them? If you're irritable or easily angered, that's because this text says you have an ego problem. And you're promoting your ego. And when others don't adhere to your ego the way you want them to, they pay for it. And that's ego promotion. It's not love. Do you see the irony of what Paul's doing? When we're prideful, ego promotion, we're saying we're something. Hey, I'm something. Look at me. And Paul has said, without love, I am nothing. Wow, this blows me away. In our pride, our lack of love, we're saying, hey, I'm something. And Paul is saying, actually, as you do that, you're proving and showing that you are nothing. Whoa. You want to be something? Love. Lay your life down. Devote your ego to another Love is not resentful, the ESV says. The NIV says, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. 
Any of you have a hoarding problem? I don't mean you're materialist. I just mean you have a hard time throwing things away. I'm not condemning you. But sometimes you're like, oh, I'm, I know I haven't used it in eight years, but I might need it, right? And, you know, maybe we come over to your garage, and you'd be like, hey, look at this. And, and you'd be like, wow, what's that for? And you'd be like, I forgot. And we'd be like, well, why do you still have it? I don't know. I might need it, though. Okay. Cool. Some of us do this with a list of offenses that others have done to us. If we could walk to your spiritual or emotional garage, we would find what somebody did or said four years ago hanging on the wall and be like, what is that for? And you say, well, I need it. I might, I, I might need it someday. Because I can use this against them. I can validate feelings I have towards them. And if they do something again, I have a reason not to love them because look what they did. I'm keeping a garage full of wrongs, a list of wrongs, a record of wrongs. We have got to examine ourselves. You've got to examine yourself. Only you can do this for you. What list of wrongs are you cuddling with, preserving, petting, they make you feel, we love these, right? Because they, they give us the right to have self-pity. My life's been so hard. Do you see what they did? I deserve stuff. Or, man, I don't have to. I'm not going to be nice to them. I'm not going to be kind to them. Because look what they did. I'm going to keep it. Burn that shed down. Just burn it down. Walk right up to that cross. Let it burn. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help you live. It's not love. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. God help me. God help us to just get washed every day. Every day. Keep forgiving. Don't hang on to those. Love doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. That probably has the meaning of when you kind of one-up somebody and you get them back. You ever done that? They said something, but you said it a little quicker. And you could be like, mic drop, you know. I won. Sitcoms, right, we're raised on this. Because every argument in a sitcom ends with a one-liner, and then they walk out of the room, you know, like it's over. I don't know about you, but when I have, like, an argument with my wife, it never works that way. There's never, like, the, the line, and everyone's like, oh, and then we walk out. Next scene. <laughs> no. But we shouldn't get boosts and little highs on one-upmanship. It's not love. Again, in all these things, we're saying, I'm something. And Paul is saying, every time you do ego promotion, I'm something, you're showing your nothing. Wow. Verse 6, see more of what love does. Love loves gospel truth. It loves gospel truth. Verse 6, love doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. That's so helpful. Because how do you know what love is? Again, the big debate. Well, if you love me, you'll, how do we know? Listen, the answer to love is Jesus and his word, who he is, what he's done. Love accords with the truth, the truth of who Jesus is. So to love someone is to want their best according to him. To want their best according to him. Rejoices with the truth. And then these gorgeous words, look at verse, 11, verse 7. Love bears all things. That means you're willing to put on the backpack of pain and offense to, to endure with somebody. You're not going to quit. You're going to bear it. Bear with one another. 
you're going to walk through it. You're going to walk through the march of that person. Love believes all things. Now, Paul's being rhetorical, all. Does all mean all? Come on. Believes all things. It doesn't mean everything you read on the internet you believe because you love people. That would be impossible because the things on the internet will contradict. So what do we do now? It means that you really have hope for others. It's, it's sim- similar with the hopes all things. You're giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. Or you're looking, you're not just judging by what you saw on the moment. You're considering their story and where they're from and why, why it happened like that and how maybe you might even affected it. But you, you want to, you're positive towards them. You want to give them grace if you can. You love them. You want what's best for them. So you're trying to give the benefit of the doubt. That's love. Without love, remember, love's essential. Without love, it's nothing. It's empty. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love stays just on this side of naive because of the reality of God's grace. Even when all hope seems to be gone, I don't think this person could change, but maybe... Just maybe, God will work in their life. I'm going to keep hoping. Sometimes we feel foolish when we keep holding, hoping and then we get let down and we think, well, if I wasn't such a fool, I'd just quit hoping. Go ahead and be the fool. Be the fool. Get let down. Because it's love. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Keep going. Isn't that beautiful? What a description of love. But if you want it in one line, it's ego devotion, not ego promotion. It's laying myself down for the benefit of others, not pumping myself up. And love is essential, right? So, so far, what have we seen? Love is essential to love is practical. Let's put these things together real quick. How many of these do you get to slough off as not for you? And, and we got to pause for a moment. You ever heard the phrase, read your own mail? It's an important one. Because you could read through this and think of all the ways other people don't love you. It wouldn't be hard, right? We don't love each other very well at the time. It wouldn't be hard. Couldn't you write a book on like just one person in your life and how they haven't loved you? And you could go on and on based on this text. You could. You'd be right. It's true. And then if you added more people into it, boy, you just never stop. You could go to heaven still writing Read your own mail. The only way this can work is if we read our own mail and we ask what? Where am I not loving? How do I love? And you gotta hold your feet to the fire and you gotta say every single one of these is for me and how I treat people. Every single one. Christian, you love Jesus, you trust Christ, you cannot live a life of arrogance and irritability. You're not allowed It's not love. You can't live a life of being apathetic towards God's people, towards the local church. You can't. It's not allowed. It's not love. Do you see how big this is? All right, number three, love is eternal. Love is eternal. Verse eight, ESV says love never ends. NIV says love never fails. Same idea, love keeps going. Death can't beat it. The end of the world can't stop it. It's indestructible because remember, what's the the source of this? God is love. Love never ends. 
Just ponder that for a moment. How wonderful is that? Nothing can beat love. Love wins. Love is undefeated because God is love. Paul then takes that phrase and contrasts it with spiritual gifts. Again, the the Corinthians had highlighted spiritual gifts over love. And so he wants to say, you've got your your stuff out of line. Um, Love is what lasts forever. Love is the main thing. Love is essential. Let's get this stuff in order. So look what he does here. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, they'll pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Listen, these spiritual gifts like teaching God's word, okay, is that important? I hope you think so. (laughs) It's what gives us life and knowledge. It's important. Uh, We need to hear it. Serving one another. All these gifts we talked about a couple weeks ago. Do we need the gifts for one another right now? Do we need to devote our gifts to one another? Yeah, yeah, we need them. We need them. We need them. One day we won't need them like we need them now. We won't need them. They'll go in the, they're, they're great right now. They'll, they'll go in the garage sale one day. Because one day we'll see face to face. This will give you chills if you can see it. Paul says in verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And here's his illustration. Right now, we're like children. Can children know true and real things? Of course they can. Do they know everything? Of course they don't. Children, we promise. You don't. We love you. Trust us. To God, we're like children. We don't. Listen, can we study God's word and pray and try to follow him and know some true things? Yes. And should we we even die for some of those true things? Yes, we should. But we need a grain of humility in here. Paul says right now it's like we're looking in a foggy mirror. Can you see a little in the mirror? I can see some stuff. I see some stuff. But do you see everything? No, one day we're going to see a lot of stuff. In fact, Paul says, we'll see face to face. Who's he talking about? What face are we going to see? It's the face of God. It's Jesus' face. And God only knows what that will be like. If you don't know Christ, that might terrify you. Hey, turn to him. Shouldn't we all be a little scared of this? To see face to face. But if you know him, you know he lived for you, he died for you, he rose from you, you've trusted him. Aren't you kind of excited too? Really excited to see him face to face. And then you'll say, I don't know what you'll say. At least you'll say, oh. And about some of this stuff that we got all tightened, upset about, we'll go, oh, (laughs) I was like a kid fighting over the Legos. I just, I didn't have a grip on what was, it was really all about. Paul is saying, listen, one day we're going to see. The thing you know for sure is this. What should you do? Love. Love. Love lasts forever. 
And then he mentions kind of the triple crown of like the great Christian characteristics, faith, hope, and love. So faith, what's that? Well, didn't Paul say right now we walk by faith and not by sight? Okay, so sometimes you might, for instance, feel like God doesn't love you. Anybody? (laughs) Your life might be going really hard. You might think, I feel like God's not there. And so what we do is we walk by faith. That doesn't mean it's like just believe in nothing. No, we, we have our feet planted on solid ground called the resurrection of Jesus. But we know that God gave him up for us and God has promised, I'm in this, I'm over this, I'm with you. And so what do we do? We walk by faith, we trust that, we believe him. But faith's gonna change. Right now we have to believe promises and they're precious and they're wonderful, but I won't be too sad to set the book away and look at his face. (laughs) Faith will be different, won't it, when you see him? God, help me to believe. That'll be a prayer you never pray again. Help my unbelief. There won't be any, because there he is. And faith will endure because of love, and it'll change because of love, because the one who loved you brought you there. Same thing with hope. Hope is great. Humans can't make it without hope. Without hope, we can do almost anything. Hope is the assurance, the trust that something good is coming, right? I don't necessarily buy that hope dies in heaven because you're still ready for the next 10,000 years or whatever, but hope changes. Right now, we don't have it yet, but when we see it face to face, what will we have? We have it. We won't be waiting for the vacation. We'll be on the vacation, But even hope remains hope. Why? Because of love. We can hope in God because we know that God loves us. The greatest of these is love. It's basic. Love is eternal. Love is eternal. So what have you seen so far? Love is essential, right? Number two, it's practical. Ego devotion instead of ego promotion. Number three, it's eternal. It's never gonna end. It's never gonna change. Okay, one last thing. How do we love? I'm on a sports theme this week, I guess. NFL starts soon. The Red Sox are in first place. So you forgive me for another sports illustration. Did you hear that part about the Red Sox being in first place? (laughs) Hopefully it'll last. We'll see. Okay, how many of you are paying attention enough to sports to, think, to hear about um, Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback for the 49ers, who's not, who's, who's not standing for the flag during the beginning? And the reason is, is because of the injustice that's in our country, according to him. Okay, fine. That raises a question for me, and it's not what you might think. It's not the question of does he have the right to do that. He has the right. Praise God, I love this country. You have the right to disagree. Don't you like that? The next question is not even, is there injustice in this country? Is there injustice in this country? Lots. In fact, I wonder if by that standard, if anyone could stand for any flag anywhere at any time. Where is there not injustice? The question that's interesting to me here is how do people change from being unjust to wanting justice? How do people change? And this is the question as a society we can't find any traction on. As a society, we know we want to be good, just people. We say that. We talk about it. But we don't have any idea 
on how to fix where injustice comes from, right here. And it's kind of funny of me to imagine some racist cop somewhere, there are some, do you think he's like, you know what, I've seen the light, I need to change my ways, because I cannot abide the fact that Colin Kaepernick is not standing up at the beginning of the game. <laughs> it's not gonna change him. Now, it, could, it, could it motivate groups of people to work harder or to, to work more carefully? Sure, it could. All I'm raising is here is this question that maybe we don't ask enough. How does, how does it actually change? Because change gets talked about all the time. You guys, here's where Christianity has unique power. Unique power. Because I could tell you, hey, you guys need to love one another. And if I had just shown that to you beforehand, none of you would have been like, no. You, yeah, you're right, we should. But how many of you are also like, I can't. I don't want to. I don't know how. Now, I don't mean the practicality of love. Be patient. Love is patient, okay? Be kind. Love is kind. Don't be rude. That's the practicality. But how does it happen in here? And here's where Christianity is so great, so beautiful, so wonderful. This is a part of a longer story, right? This isn't 1 Corinthians 1. It's 1 Corinthians 13. And back in 1, the Apostle Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 1, 23. He said, we preach Christ, what? Crucified. Christ crucified. And to those who are called Christ, the what? Power of God and the wisdom of God. In the cross, there's power and wisdom to love. I've, I've been saying, maybe you notice it this whole, this whole time, that the second most important thing we can do as a church is love one another. Maybe some of you are like, what's the first? The first is to be loved by Jesus. The first is to be loved by Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Or verse 7, imagine hearing it like this. Jesus bears all things. Has he borne it all for you on a cross? Every sin, does he bear with you today? Jesus believes all things, hopes all things. Is Jesus done with you? Or is he going to press in on you and mess with you and work with you and refine you and conform you until more and more and more you look like him? And that ultimate surgery will be on your death or when he returns. But when we see you in glory, we'll see that it worked. You will be beautiful and glorious and loving. He's not going to stop. He bears all things. He believes all things, hopes all things. Did Jesus endure all things for you? The spitting, the mockery, the nails, the spear. Jesus loves you. Put down the ego promotion and just see him. Look what Paul said at Galatians 2.20. Beautiful words. Galatians 2.20, Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. My old life of ego promotion is over. I don't need that anymore. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives 
in me, with me, in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, and by that he just means in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who what? Loved me. He loved me. And he gave himself for me. This is what we need to see. As we look at this list of love, if we're, in, if we're at all honest, we'll see that we're all guilty and we haven't loved the way we should. And then we stand there as undeserving as the guilty and we see someone who loved us anyway to such depths that he would love you like this, that he would love me like this, and that his love will be eternal. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing in this life, not even death. God knows you. He loves you. He's going to keep you. You belong to him. Do you know that he loves you? Lay, lay down your pride. Lay down your need to earn something. Lay down your insistence to deserve something. Lay it down. Humble yourself and just trust the one who's loved you in such mind-blowing ways and receive his love. He has loved you. Receive his love. And as you receive it, this is the only way, and it's a powerful way, you will be changed. Not all at once, but you will be changed to do what? To love one another. This is the power for change. That's why Paul said, Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. Not just to get you the card to go to heaven. It'll do that. But to change who you are. The gospel does that. The power, the wisdom of God. Love is a gift. That's the fourth point. Love is a gift from Jesus Christ. So we've seen love is essential. Love is practical. Love is eternal. Love is a gift in Jesus Christ who came for us. Let's receive that love from, from him. And as we receive that love, let's start to live out the love of 1 Corinthians 13 to one another. Are you in? Amen. I'm gonna pray, uh, take up the offering, and then we'll receive the love of Jesus in a, in a wonderful way, a special way. We'll take the Lord's Supper. And really in the supper, right, he's giving to us his body represented in the bread, his blood represented in the juice, him giving himself for us in his love so that we could live in it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you've loved us so much, and that's just the basics. And we want to taste that love today and receive it. So, Lord, if there's anybody in here who's a stranger to that, I pray that today they would just look to you and say, I need you. Lord, maybe there's somebody who's in here today and thought that they tried it and then it didn't work, and now what? Let them see your love again, your love that endures all things, your love that is patient, patient towards each one of us, waiting, drawing us. Lord, we come to you for that love. Lord, as we get filled with your grace towards us, Father, let us just die to that need to promote our own egos. We don't need it anymore. We have your love. Um, And let us rather devote ourselves and find that as we give of ourselves, that's when we become something. We love like you have loved. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.